this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want to hear more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show on the website for members only. So if you want to hear more of this show on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. And like today, we have an overtime show, which means members get three separate hours. Three. You got the Tuesday public show, then you got the overflow of the overtime segment, and then you get your Thursday show because today is a bonkers show. We're bringing on Brian today. I contacted Brian about SRA type of stuff. Brian was saying on my website on the comments section about how he has experiences dealing with SRA victims and deprogramming. Well, I wanted to bring him on the show to talk about these things. And we do talk about these things. But he threw me a curveball in the text messages when he told me that he has some reptilian conversations he'd like to have with me because his brother, when they were growing up, had multiple ongoing experiences with these things. And he wanted to relay those stories today. And I'm telling you, my jaw was dropped. I was like, you got to be kidding me. When I was hearing this stuff, it was fantastic. So we went extra long and we have a whole other overtime segment there waiting for you for your listening pleasure. Just log into your membership and you're good to go. Now let's get to Brian right now. All right, today we got Brian on the show. Brian, sir, how are you? Hi, Tony. I'm doing well. Thanks. I'm glad you're here, man. So you're somebody that I reached out to because I saw you on the website and that the episode we put out called Dirty Santa with Rachel for Christmas. Uh, I, that was such a fun episode to talk to Rachel. She had incredible experience where she was uh, being stalked and hunted down by a guy she called uh, dirty, dirty looking Santa. And uh, he actually wound up breaking the house, chasing her and her friend around. Like it was such a dramatic story. And if people want to go check that out, it's episode 298. It came out this past Christmas of 2020. But uh, in that comments section, I I saw you commenting to Rachel about uh, your experiences slash expertise in certain things. And uh, I was like, wow, I, I want to talk to this guy. And you were willing to come on and we arranged it. Um, but what I want to tell people is that the kind of direction that today's show is going, today is going to be a uh, overtime episode as well. And what we're going to be covering throughout the two segments is uh, your 
your experiences with your brother and the paranormal side of things. Uh, your brother had some memories and experiences with the reptilian types. Uh, we're going to go into some paranormal experiences that you've had, your dad's had. And especially in the second segment, we're going to focus on talking about your experiences with uh, working with uh, SRA victims. And uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting conversation because uh, you you have hands-on experiences with helping these people. And uh, I'm just really excited about it, man. So if you want, go ahead and start us off with these uh, these two experiences you've had paranormal-wise with your uh, stepbrother or your half-brother, I should say. Yes. Okay. Uh yeah, we grew up. Uh, uh, I'm in I'm in the lower peninsula of Michigan, southwestern Michigan area. Um, so these events happened um, there. In fact, in the Allegan County area of Michigan. Um, this goes back to the early '70s. Um, I'm almost three years older than my half brother is. And uh, due to due to a divorce uh, and remarriage and such, my brother and I did not live full time in the same house. I, I would see him every other weekend due to the uh, you know the divorce arrangement agreement and such. So anyway, when when my brother and I were young, uh, you know, quite young, my dad when it would get to be evening time occasionally would start breaking out uh telling us ghost stories and these are these are ghost stories in that they were real happenings that happened to various members of the family on his side so he would tell us things that happened and uh and of course you know we get quite a kick out of and it really perked my interest hearing such things um and as it ended up uh you know i don't know if i don't know it's my brother and i it's like we didn't necessarily always remember these things that happened or i don't know how it goes with our memories is in you know remembering these things but anyway it got to the point where Finally, my brother and I started talking and, and you know, with each other. Uh, yeah, we had had a couple of things that uh, happened together. And the, ver- the very first was this. I was approximately eight years old, my brother about five years old. And again, this happened uh, out in rural uh, out in rural countryside uh, when my dad still lives on this property. Um, so it was a weekend that I was there at my dad's house and it was a really small, just a little small two bedroom house, one bathroom, living room, kitchen, a very small postage stamp sized house. Um, so somewhere in the middle of the night, uh, my brother and I were sharing the same bedroom. And I think back then we were really young. I think, I believe we were even sleeping in the same bed and, uh, the bathroom next to our bedroom, uh, always had a nightlight on in it. So, um, that nightlight would kind of shine out into the living room a little bit. Anyway, uh, my brother and I woke up, I, we don't recall if one of us woke the other up if, or if we both kind of woke up at the same time. But um, uh, we woke up and uh, as though we knew something happened out in the other room, some sort of noise, I believe, you know, stirred us and got our curiosity up. So we we got up out of bed. We tiptoed. We, we made sure we were real quiet because on the other side of the bathroom was our parents' room. And we knew we would get in big trouble if we were caught uh, being up. So we were real careful to sneak out into the little hallway and then into the living room. Again, the nightlight from the bathroom shone into the living room. So there was a little, very little bit of light in the living room. And then that took us going through the living room. Then we stopped in the doorway 
that goes into the kitchen from the living room. And we just stood there in that doorway and we're peering into the darkness of the kitchen. And we don't hear a sound, nothing's going on. Can't really see anything because it's fairly dark. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my brother and I were wearing pajamas and we were picked up essentially by our pajama tops as though something is holding, you know, someone is holding our collars and we're raised up into the air about to the height of where our heads are pretty much touching the top of the doorway, looking into the kitchen. And, and of course, that stuns the heck out of my brother and myself. And we both, I think we both basically simultaneously say, dad, put us down. We basically say it in unison, thinking our dad is messing around with us you know, picking us up by our, by our pajama tops. And so we both, we each turn our heads around and there's nothing behind us. We're just up in the air. Something has us up in the air, whatever it is, it brings us back fully into the living room and basis basically brings us over to the, to the couch, the sofa in the living room. And it's as though it releases us and our little butts just plop on onto the sofa. And we're just absolutely stunned speechless. We don't scream out or yell or anything. We're basically, yeah, we're just totally speechless, stunned by what on earth went on. And so my brother and I are, are looking at each other on the sofa. Again, we can kind of see each other because of the nightlight. And uh, we're just sitting there and, and for a minute. And then I just tell him, okay, you know, be cool, calm, collected. And I just took off and back into the bedroom, dove into the bed. And he came scurrying in right after me. And uh, so, yeah, then, you know, in bed, we just, we aren't sure what on earth just happened. You know, we talk about a little more about it a little more. And we kind of calm down and <laughs> we both decide we're thirsty and we want to get a drink of water. Um, so we kind of tiptoe back out to the bathroom. And back in those days, we had one of those little paper, uh, one of those little Dixie uh, paper cup dispensers. And so we each get a drink of water out of one of those cups. And then we think, well, we'll take one cup in with us back to bed in case we get thirsty so we don't have to get back up again so we did that um and we go we go to sleep and whenever i've retold this story this happening in the past i never said this extra piece uh until recent years um because it's very odd and we don't know what to think about it, but uh, my brother and I ended up waking up the next morning and there is some degree of a blood stain in our bed. And I don't recall myself how big it was, but I recall we had a blood stain in our bed and being children as young as we were, again, I believe we were eight and five, right in that uh, age range. Um, uh, we just, we rationalized that the cup of water tipped over and it turned into blood. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what happened and why we had blood in our bed like that. I don't know if something more went on, but that's just a little extra piece to this, to the, you know, the occurrence that is, uh, kind of unexplainable. Um, so, and then, uh, so the next thing my brother and I experienced together that is sort of on the paranormal, you know, ghost sort of side of things, um, a few years later, I don't know if it may be the case that I was somewhere around 12 and my brother around nine, to be honest, I don't remember the exact age, but I, I do believe I was in in a middle school when this next thing happened. Um, again, this is, this is at a house out in the woods at my dad's house. It's out in the woods. 
And we had a trail through going through the woods that would connect to my, uh, to my grandmother's house, my dad's mom's house. And then on the other side of that a ways was my dad's brother's house. And so we had a couple cousins there. Anyway, it was a nice sunny day again on the weekend. My brother and decide, my brother and I decide we want to uh, go over and, and play with our two cousins. It was a boy and a girl. They were just uh, they were a little they were right in our age range. So my brother and I are walking along on the trail, and about halfway down the uh, trail, you know, getting to my grandma's house. Um, we see our two cousins, boy and a girl standing in the trail and we get excited and start running towards them. Um, and then the weirdest thing happens as we get really close, of course, we would naturally stop. Well, it's this weird thing where there's some force where we can't stop and we, we run right through what we thought was them. And we, we turn around and there is nothing there. What we thought was our cousins is just gone. And that totally stupefies us. And we, we actually just simply take the trail back home. And uh, we go up. I, I recall this very clearly. We, we went up on the front porch of the house and we're just, you know, talking about it. What, uh, you know, what just happened to us. And, uh, yeah, can't explain it. That's so those are, yes. So let me ask you some questions here. First of all, with the story you just told, uh, do you think that was some kind of like uh, mimicking spirits then? I mean, I don't know how that would describe the force that you felt kind of push you through. Uh, but you know, I'm just curious as to how you draw that up in your mind as to how that you know, experience unfolds. And yeah, you know, Tony, that's a really great question. And oddly enough, I've never tried to explain exactly what it is, you know, or exactly what maybe it is. Um, you know, I'll add this. I don't know why, um, all these particular things, odd things happened to, it was basically people in my, my dad's generation than my generation because some things had happened to my cousins, some things had happened to my sister, um, and of course my brother, my half-brother, as well as things were happening. Uh, my dad's family had moved to this rural area in Michigan from the Chicago area. They were actually you know, pretty big city, city people. And things had happened to the generation, you know, basically my grandparents' generation. Um, and I've asked my dad in the past why he thinks, why on earth all these things would have been happening to so many different people in the family. You know, he made one comment and he doesn't really know, but he, he made this one comment to me a few times. He says that one member of his, of his family and it would have been uh, in the generation above him, I believe. I don't think two generations above him, but I could be wrong. One of those anyway. He made the comment that a woman, one of the women in the family was a witch. And I don't know to what degree he knows of that, but he just, he said it to me more than once and he, he either doesn't know much more beyond that or he doesn't, I'm not sure, but he anyway says a family member was a witch. And also I had inherited, um, uh, when my grandmother, his mother passed away, I had inherited a, uh, a Masonic, uh, a Freemason sword, you know, a ritual sword. And it was owned by a man that was in relationship to uh, a woman in my, my family, you know, next generation above my dad. And I, I've never thought to ask my dad, well, was this man who was a little bit mysterious was he in a relationship with this woman that you're saying you believe was a, you know, you were told was a witch. So I don't know. So I don't, 
so get to get back to your question, what was this in the trail that looked like our cousins? I don't, you know, what can I say? Was somehow some sort of ritual activity done in past years that that manifested this major activity around our family for for some number of years and therefore it was that? Um I just don't know what to say about that. I really do not know what to say. Um, at the particular time, we we didn't feel like something evil had gone on when we ran through them. It was just as though, you know, back in those days, being that young, it seemed like, you know, what you would kind of stereotypically call like a ghost type of a thing, you know, whatever that means, you know, a spirit or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, when I was a kid, I remember playing in the trailer park with the other kids during the winter time, and I was young. I mean, uh, probably late elementary, early junior high, and the kids were teasing me because I, I, I was, you know, I was picked on a lot, and uh, we made these. It was during the blizzard, so it was '96, I think it was the blizzard of '96. So I was in like sixth grade or something like that. Uh, they were, we built these huge forts with these tunnels and stuff in the snow. And they started telling me that there's these werewolves, you know, that, that were coming to get us. And, (laughs) and, uh, just the idea of such things freaked me out. I was freaked (laughs) out, you know, cause you know, I, I, I just, I was scared and they were acting scared and I, I just, it scared me. And so when you say that it didn't scare you, um, I guess every kid's different and stuff because I, if I would have experienced what you went through, I probably would have been freaked out and been yakking about it to everybody. Be like, guess what just freaking happened to me? You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I hear what you're saying. And in both of those, both of the two experiences that happened where my brother and I were together, it wasn't so much that it scared us, though I'm sure there was some of that there. It was more so as it like startled us is a more accurate word. It's like, what on earth, what the heck just happened? This is the, this is really weird, you know? So yeah, I I don't know why it wasn't maybe so much fear. It was more of a startling. And for some reason, something about my nature, I tended to be, to be, one that would keep things to myself and didn't want to tell grown-ups because you know even th- though there's the thing in there where our dad would tell us stories that happened with the family there was still some part of me I don't know I, I tended to have kind of a or I've always had sort of a a private you know character or nature about myself where I won't necessarily talk about things that run my mouth right away, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, if you have that kind of nature, you're willing to come on the show and share these experiences. Uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, I always, I said this before on the show, I believe I had this like really warped sense of what was going to actually get me in trouble. And there were things that I would hold back from my parents just because I thought I was going to get in trouble where looking back on it, it's like, you would never get in trouble for that. In fact, parents would want to know that so they can help you, you know? Uh, so it's interesting how kids' minds think. Now, back to the back to the experience where you and your brother had in the house. Uh, you're picked up, and that's in itself is a terrifying thing for me to think about. Uh, and, and if you're eight years old and he's five, I mean, I'm at, I I mean, I have a three year old who, and I know he's big for his age, but I mean, he weighs forty five pounds as a three year old. So I'm thinking maybe eight years old, you're around a hundred pounds, you know, and you know, so it's not like you're very light. And for somebody to actually pick you up with one on each hand, uh, that yes. it shows a lot of strength in my mind. Uh, maybe I'm just a frail, weak man, and I I, I can't lift a lot. But <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a lot of weight to. And so I mean, what I'm trying to get to though is if it was like a spiritual entity, uh, the amount of energy that it would take to do such things is is pretty pretty mind blowing blowing and um it, you mentioned about seeing the next day about the the blood on the bed uh yes. over the years thinking about such things have you ever you know ventured into the thought of you know 
there might have been more to that night than you remember as far as, uh, I don't know if you believe in abduction case scenarios, but I mean, people talk about such things. And uh, did you ever notice any markings on your body that would have attributed to the blood or did he? At, at the time, I don't recall either of us particularly seeing anything on our bodies. That doesn't mean it wasn't there, but I don't have a memory of us seeing something on our bodies of where the blood may have come from. Again, that doesn't mean it wasn't the case that it was there, you know, but I just, I don't recall. Okay. And uh, as far as, you know, how that could have happened and stuff, I mean, you just kind of take it as faith at at face value. You don't really venture into a whole lot of extracurricular thought on that one. Well, okay. That's where, this is where, um, over these years, uh, you know, that, that particular occurrence would have happened around 1976. So over the years, I have, <laughs> it's dawned on me, you know, as I learn what's going on in the world and all that, it's dawned on me that that particular occurrence may very well have tied in to the reptilian humanoid experiences that my brother had occurred to him when he was at a different household, uh, namely uh, visiting his grandparents, because he would be at his grandparents every other weekend that I was that we weren't at my dad's house and I would see him. Um, I, I actually have a strong sense now that something visited us from that other pocket of experiences he had with the reptilians and such. I, uh, I have a feeling that it ties in with that. Okay. Well then that's a great warm up. Tell me about these experiences he's had and where does it all go? Yes. Okay. So, well, to start off with, uh, um, my brother, my half brother would come to see me during the summer for a couple weeks. Uh, you know, again, I lived regularly with my mom and stepdad. Again, my parents had divorced and they each remarried. So my half brother, because we were such great friends, he would come see me for a couple weeks, you know, and be at my mom's house with me during the summer. And one of these times, I believe, if I recall, I, I, yeah, I think I was, I think I had completed sixth grade and was going into seventh grade. Again, I was middle school age and right at the, so right at the tail end of one of his visitations during the summer, all of a sudden, he starts having these memories. They're, they're basically like, you know, flooding in essentially for some crazy reason. His memory had been blocked and all of a sudden he's remembering these things. And I don't know if it had to do with him being away from his house and his grandmother's house or what or whatever. Something triggered him to recall things that happened to him and so he goes to tell me these things and uh so yeah this would have been um so this would have been again approximating it seems to be the case from what i can mathematically deduce his memory may have been blocked somewhere in the yeah i'm just gonna say maybe somewhere around four years give or take a year i'm guessing um So, so these memories that came to him, uh, he has a hard time talking about this kind of stuff. He's kind of, uh, I guess I, I'm, I'd say I'm more spiritually oriented and he's a little more kind of, kind of in the world and materially oriented and, and such. So he doesn't do well talking about such things. So, so I'm in, I'm in his stead here, you know, to relate to, to you what uh what he shared with me back in those days and and we would talk about it over the years uh you know so it was always you know i'd 
we'd bring it up and rehash it just to confirm everything and all that. Um, cause I've, I'm all, I've always been in, big into confirming things, making sure that yes, this is real, this happened and all that. It's very important to me anyway. Um, so these happenings happened in the, oddly enough, in the sort of uh, city area of a, of a small city called Allegan. Um, and again, there's also an Allegan County, which is where my dad's house is. Uh, so this happened along a street called Main Street, but it wasn't a street that went through the, the section of town wasn't like right in the main city area. It was sort of, I mean, it was in town, but the way uh, the grandparents' house was, again, these were my step-grandparents. They were, they were my half-brothers, you know, real grandparents. The way their house was... Uh, going along the city street heading out of town their house was perched up on a hill and this elegant area had a lot of really deep valleys and stuff with ravines uh, a lot of it was fairly heavy forested and ravines where there were creeks and stuff flowing through and uh so my grandparents, our grandparents' house was up on a hill and they had these, some of these deep ravine valleys behind them with no, you know, there's no houses there. It's just heavily wooded and pretty steep, uh, you know, valleys and such. So anyway, a, a couple houses down, uh, I think it's, I think maybe three houses down even from our grandparents' house going back down the hill a little bit um, was a house that uh, had this really huge tree behind it. It was up on this hill. So you had this house, then, you know, the backyard of the house, and then there was this little stream and then you'd have to cross over the stream and then there would be this uphill uh, incline and on that uphill incline was this just massively huge tree I don't know what kind of tree it was I, I was too young to be able to ascertain you know was it what it was um, looking back at it but there was this massive tree uh, and because it was on the uh, the edge of the incline the its roots sort of jutted out from the bank you know they kind of hung down jutted out you could see them and so it was where you could go up there underneath into the underneath the root systems and go up underneath there um well my brother said when he was you know young and again this would date back to he would have been somewhere in the five or six year age would be the guess. He was quite young. He said that children would go and play around that tree a lot. They'd go to these people's yards. I even know the family name of the people that own the house because I had written them a letter later on that I can get into. But uh, he said children would go play up around that tree. And that uh, they would refer to it as uh, Witch's Hollow. For somehow they came up with this name to call this, they were, they were calling it Witch's Hollow. Or at least my brother and one friend would refer to it as Witch's Hollow. So, so my brother had a friend across the street from our grandparents. You know, the friend lived there. And so, so when my brother was at, the house there they would sometimes get together and play and one time they went to go play around this massive tree set in the bank you know at this witch's hollow place and what happened is my brother for the first time went all the way up under the roots and he said there was a hole there it was a you know somewhat sizable hole i don't I don't know how big the hole was, but there was a hole there. And so he was curious 
and went up to the hole and looked into it. And when he looked into it, he was he was surprised or startled because there was this essentially this head staged right at the entrance of this where this hole you know started. Uh, he could see there was sort of like a cave area, and there was this head sitting there. He said it was really bruised and everything, and it scared him. And he backed down. I, I think if I recall, he didn't even tell his friend what he saw. He just backed down, and they left. It really kind of scared him. So sometime later, it's unclear how much time had unfolded, but sometime later. My brother goes back alone to the witch's hollow place. He goes up under under the roots of the tree, goes there, and he is met by this reptilian humanoid. Um, back then, the way my brother would, when he'd tell me what happened, he would call them lizard men. That was the the phrase he would use to describe them back then, he, he called it a lizard man. Because what it looked like was this extremely tall, it was a humanoid figure, you know, it was standing on two legs, it had two arms. Um, it was an extremely tall thing. He guesses at least eight feet, maybe taller, maybe like eight, nine 10 somewhere in there he's just extremely tall um this being was sort of a greenish brownish in color it had like scales on it at a fairly sizable head um sort of a little bit of a a conish feature to its head um it had fairly large eyes anyway my brother gets there he sees this this thing tells him, this being tells him that he was expecting my brother. He had been waiting for him. He knew he was coming. This being, um, and again, everything I'm relating to you is what my brother can remember. So, so this is, uh, this is what it is. So I don't, you know, there may be other things that were blocked or, you know, I don't know, but this is what he remembers. This thing was friendly to my brother. It was expecting my brother. It would not allow my brother to come into the, to the cave area, which I'll explain in a minute what that looked like. It would not allow my brother in because of the potential danger. It just would interact and ex had exchanges with my brother right there while, my, while he was at the entrance. Um, and it would communicate with my brother when he was uh, telepathically. It would communicate telepathically. So my, so, so he was being, you know, talked to in his mind um as far as the communication goes and uh he was essentially uh, well what he was seeing was there was this cavern a small cavernous area there was there was a tunnel that went off towards the back that he could see you know basically straight ahead from where he was standing then there was another tunnel area that went off to the right and the one that went off to the right he could my uh my brother uh he could see that there was a some a basically a statue of one of these lizard men it was a fairly tall statue likeness of a lizard man creature um and the 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 cave area was illuminated with a basically a some sort of a green luminescence. He couldn't see any particular like main light source per se. It's, it was just as though it basically was sort of had a green glow to it. And that, that was the light. He didn't know what the light source was, but it was greenish and allowed him to you know, to see what he could see. Um, 
And my brother, his name is Rick. Rick was told that uh, he apparently was led to believe that this reptilian talking to him was, you know, something good because it wasn't harming him. And it told him that basically in the earth are these, are, are another world of beings living in there. And there's a, a, a large scenario going on of good versus evil. Um, so that, that may basically entail, that basically entails what I can recall of a first, the first visit he had there. And I, think there are two other visitations that entail the other the other aspects to what I will bring up occurred to my brother that again that he can recall so that was that was the first visit All right, before, sort of his introduction before we get to whoo, my, my mind is really right now uh so before you get to the 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 other visit visitation I think maybe you said there was two more um I want to ask you, did he mention about what the first experience he had, the head that he saw, it was bruised. Was that head attached to anything or was it a disattached head? It was a disattached head. It was as though one of these beings that lived in there, uh, it, well, yeah, its head had been, you know, it had been decapitated. The, the essence, you know, that was felt from it was, you know, it had happened in a fight and it was basically he had the sense or it was told directly. I don't recall that the head was there as a sort of scarecrow to, to scare people off or away from that entrance. If they do, if they did go up into there, it was a basically being used as a scarecrow. He had ascertained. I got you. Okay. And, uh, that, so he sees this head and he decides to go back and, and, you know, now that I know that it almost seems like, understandable kids curiosity you see something crazy it probably scared them but once you get used to the thought in your head of what you saw uh, i would imagine curiosity gets the best of you especially like i mean when i was a kid very adventurous loved going the woods trying to find hidden secrets all that stuff you know and so it's it's that curiosity factor uh, of a child and maybe even adults because i still have that and uh Go, you go back to expect to see the head and maybe inspect it, but then you're met with this entity. Now, the did he mention about the head being reptilian or human? It was, from what I recall, not not reptilian. It was one of these sort of uh, enemies of of a reptilian. He said, if I recall. He said it was really kind of bruised looking. That was the wording he had used back then. He, he had said it looked like it was really bruised up, whatever that means exactly, you know, black and blue or whatever. Um, unfortunately, I can't precisely say what what sort of a head it was because I will get into one particular it was as though there were at least a couple different forms of enemies that these reptilians had. And one of them was a, was kind of a shorter being that again, back in our, back in the day when, in, you know, when he's relating to these things to me as a child, he said one of these things sort of almost looked uh, like they were demons or something. And really, I've put this together being older now. They may have even looked somewhat like the gray alien type things. That's not a confirmation, but it's, I'm wondering if that's the case. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, so he, yeah. he, he comes across this entity, eight to 10 feet tall, absolutely huge. And uh, it, it's expecting him. It has tele- tele- or telepathic abilities to speak to him. 
there's a good versus evil war going on underground that it tells him did he get the sense that this reptilian was on the side of the good or the evil i mean i guess if the reptilian is saying this that the reptilian would believe that it was on the side of the good side whatever that side would be but did he ever get a sense of maybe uh because i mean everything that i hear about reptilians is they're no good they're evil and stuff what was his perception was the reptilian the good guy Right. Yes. At the, at the time, the essence was good. And again, my brother is, you know, I don't, I don't know. And my brother doesn't know, uh, if there's memories or if things happen that he still doesn't recall, but the general essence was he was my, that my brother, you know, he was being looked after and shown things and that therefore, the thing was, you know, this lizard man was, you know, so-called good, whatever, you know, to, to, the, to the degree it supposedly didn't, or, you know, that it didn't take my brother, I guess you could, you know, you could call that good in itself, whatever, you know, like, you know, so. Wow. Okay. So now that we got that uh, kind of clarified and stuff here, uh, before you get into the other two experiences here, I want to just share with the audience kind of like where I'm coming from with this, because uh, I never know what to think about when it comes to the reptilian topic. I mean, I hear the stories, I hear people say, you know, reptilians exist and they believe it. You know, we've all, I mean, hopefully people have heard of David Icke and he talks about his experiences. And, you know, a lot of people ch- just chalk it up as crazy talk, whatever, whatever. When I first started the show, I to, you know, maybe some people's surprises and stuff. I didn't really dabble in talking about or even looking into some of the topics we now talk about on the show. And I learned about a lot of topics through interviewing people and their experiences. So I I value my own show a lot because it's a great source of information for me. Uh, When I first started podcasting, I I used to be a parking enforcement officer in Reading, Pennsylvania in my early 20s. And part of my route in the afternoon was I I would stop by this one building and I would just chop it up with this one security guy that was always standing outside around my age. I always just like talking to him. And uh, I ran into him. He was now working security at a Best Buy shortly after I started the podcast. And I ran into him and I was like, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. We started talking. And I told him what I've been doing, you know, as far as trying to start a podcast, paranormal. And he's like, man, what do you talk? Do you talk about the, the, the reptilians? And at that time, I was like, reptilians? What, what is this guy talking about? But to him, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know all about the reptilians. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I totally had no clue what he was talking about. And um, so I, I I let him tell me. And he was telling me how you know, he was very cryptic. Like he, like he was almost like he didn't want to tell me kind of thing. Uh, but I, I was very curious, like this reptilian thing. I mean, I had heard about it, but I really didn't know much about it. You know, uh, he tells me that in the area, meaning I, the area that I live in, there are reptilians and they walk among us and this, that, and the other. And I was like, holy crap, like this is crazy, right? Put it in the back of my head kind of thing. And uh, over the years, I've ran into him again. We talk and stuff. And he just kind of shares a little bit here, a little bit there. Very cryptic, though. Uh, didn't really seem like he wanted to talk a whole lot about it. He even told me once that just talking about it and and pursuing the topic can kind of get you in a little bit of water, hot water. And so recently, very, very recently, I reached out to him and I said, man, listen, I want to know what you know about these things in the area. I just want to know. And so we've been talking and he told me that in Pennsylvania, in the general area that I live, there are uh, known locations of underground underground entrances to caverns that these things exist in, whether they live there or what. And he told me that one of the entrances, uh, he told me a location that I'm going to be pursuing. Uh, it, he told me not to. He told me this information and he said, but man, I'm telling you, don't don't mess with this stuff. And I told him, I said, I'm already strapping my boots on. So like, I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to be, I, I just, listen, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I can't help myself. I've said it before on the show. I am literally like a kid in the candy store with this kind of stuff. I cannot help myself. I have to look at it. And so 
I'm going to be going to this location he told me about, and I'll be looking for a quarry. Now, in Pennsylvania, I don't know where it is, how it's like in the rest of the world, but uh, in Pennsylvania, there are tons of quarries. And a lot of the quarries in this area were old mine shafts that, you know, back in the day when they hit a spring, they would pump the water out overnight with gas powered pumps. And at times, those pumps would shut off sooner than they thought. And so the water would fill up the quarry. And if it got too full, they would just abandon the project and all the equipment's on the bottom of the quarry. But he told me that in one of these quarries, uh, in the area of one of these quarries is the underground entrance. And so I'm going to be (laughs) highly uh, pursuing this because it's in my backyard and I just can't help myself. So if I ever disappear, you guys just know the reptilians got me. So, (laughs) but... uh, (laughs) Hearing your brother's experience talking about the underground entrance that he came across, uh, it just it kind of really relays to what this guy told me, confirms that these these things, you know, might exist underground. And and it makes you wonder when you hear about people talking about like the rake and the description of the rake. A lot of times it's it's described as a very pale entity uh, that, you know, might maybe it lives underground, very thin. Uh, so maybe it's one of these entities or creatures that do live underground, whether it's reptilian or something completely different. Uh, but with that said, Brian, I just want to let the audience know where I'm coming from with this. I'm going to hand it back over to you. Go back into your brother's other experiences here. Yes, I, I appreciate what you're saying. That is, uh, yes, very intriguing. Um, so again, I, I guess I'll just remind people the interesting thing about this is too, I am I am aware of David Icke's material. The interesting thing is with this, with this stuff, you know, this stuff would have happened to my brother in again, basically the mid-70s. He told me about it around 80, 81, somewhere in there. So this stuff I've carried in my mind all these years, and then it absolutely blew my mind when I came across the first, the first material of David Ike I came across was he had a book that was called the, that's called the biggest secret. And that came out in 1999. I believe that was his first book to talk about the reptilians and it. Absolutely. I just could not believe that there was someone talking about it and such because I had been carrying it with me all those all those you know all those years you know and I I just couldn't believe it's like oh my gosh someone is actually talking about this and has it in a book it just blew my mind and so many of the things that or a number of aspects that of you know things that he was exposing you know that people had related to him confirmed you know what my brother had seen you know as a child back in the 70s so it was a really neat confirming experience not you know i always knew my brother had experienced this stuff but it was of course great to hear it from a totally external source as well um so yeah so again as far as as far as i know it's basically what i can gather um sitting here myself without my brother here i believe he went back one or two other times to the entrance itself um and uh and so that'll that'll cover these next few things uh that i bring out okay so so another memory he has i'm gonna kind of just present them as little snippets of of the memories that he had you know the specific highlights that were important you know that he recalled so so one thing that happened is he was told that, and again, this is so confirmed down the road, but it was crazy, you know, information back then. He was told that, uh, well, basically one of the, one of the, you know, so-called evil, evil sets of entities that were the enemies of these lizard men were something that my brother called, uh, he called them witches. And that was because, again, he's attempting to, to relate, relay things to me. 
in a way that they look to him as a child and that, you know, some we, the way we could talk about it. So he said there was this other group of beings. Uh, um, he said they looked like, uh, he said they looked like stereotypical witches, you know, Halloween type witches. Like, I guess they had a sort of greenish skin and such. Um, and, uh, let's see, where was I going with that? Yeah, that was, uh, he said that those, that these evil beings in the earth would kidnap surface children. In other words, you know, surface humans, that they would kidnap them from the surface and that they would, uh, they would use them either as slaves or, or that they would, um, slaves, uh, or that they would eat them. One of the two. Um, and so my brother saw one, uh, one occurrence where there was going to be a slave trade go, go on that would go on. And apparently, uh, for whatever reason it, within the earth as well, gold is very much in demand and uh, it's prized and sought after just as it is on the surface. <clears throat> and so what occasionally would go on is these, um, the good ones that were living in the earth would, would trade gold to the evil ones in order to be able to release. The, my brother was being told they were releasing the children again i don't know that that was really going on but that's what he was told and so so one scenario he saw was a procession came from the rear entrance of of uh of some children being led in by some evil entities um Again, I believe they were some of the ones that looked more, had the sort of more, you know, demon or, or gray alien type look to them. Um, they led in this procession of children. And then from the, from the right and from the right cavern came a procession where he said there was this one woman, she was wearing a sort of flowing white robe gown sort of a thing she was sort of leading this procession and then and then a couple of couple of entities came and i don't recall i don't recall per se if it was lizard men or what but two beings came in behind her carrying a trunk of gold and so my brother witnessed this essentially you know, kidnapped children, uh, exchange go on gold for children. Um, so he saw that another thing that he witnessed was when he was, uh, when my brother Rick was at the entrance, uh, having an exchange with the lizard man, apparently this lizard man that, that would talk to him, my brother basically had ascertained that it was a fairly high rate ranking one, whatever, whatever that meant. Um, so one time while my brother was, was having an exchange with him, all of a sudden this, one of these witch type beings flew out from the back, uh, the back tunnel area on a, it was basically on, mounted on a flying serpent sort of a thing. He said it looked sort of like what one may call like a dragon and it had wings. And he said this witch type creature was mounted on it and then it was charging at my brother to get my brother. And this, this, the lizard man had a, a sort of battle axe type weapon that it would carry. And as this thing charged toward my brother to get him, he said the reptilian 
whacked the head off of the witch. So that happened right in front of my, you know, brother's eyes. Um, so those are the experiences that I can recall that happened while my brother is right at the entrance. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, man, that is insanely fascinating because when you mentioned about the whole underground marketplace, pretty much of kidnapped people and kids, uh, the first thing that popped into my head was missing 411. So there's just another element to that whole mystery of people going mis- missing in the woods and stuff. Maybe people are getting kidnapped and drugged underground for underground trade markets with these reptilians and witches and God knows what else is down there. Uh, th- I'm assuming you've heard of Missing 411 before, right? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Okay. Yes. So I, I definitely thought about that. But one more question I have before we wrap things up for this first segment. Uh, I wanted to ask you why, and maybe your brother had a thought on this, but maybe you do too. Why was your brother allowed in to begin with on multiple occasions? Did he sneak in? It didn't sound like he sneaked in because he saw this at Reptilian on multiple occasions. But uh, why do you think he was allowed to uh, experience and witness some of these things? That is a very good question. Uh, he, he can't answer that. Um, I'm quite sure of that. And he never has. Um, and you know, (laughs) yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I guess I can't even really give a theoretical response to that. You know, it's one of those things where, and the funny thing is, uh, this, even though it's it's the oddest thing, even though the things happened to my brother, they were far, far more significant to me because they sent me just deep, real, deeply reeling on a quest for truth in life in general. And really, these things are the seeds of, you know, a, a spiritual path in life, you know, seeking to know. God deeply, fully, and and looking to know what's going on, no matter what it is, I want to see it. So, you know, for some reason, things happen to certain people. And maybe the bottom line of it is, is, is just simply was meant to be. And that's that, you know, I, I don't, it's a great question, but that's all I can give an answer of there, you know. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, especially since you're not the one to experience it, so you're getting everything secondhand. But uh, I, I just wanted to ask that because I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, like why was he even allowed near there multiple times, especially after meeting the entity the first time? But uh, we're going to wrap this up here, friends. Uh, we're going to go into a whole other overtime segment, which God knows how long that's going to be because we got a lot of stuff to hit on. Brian, I want uh, to hit on in this overtime segment some of the more experiences your brother had around town relating to what he experienced here. But then we're going to get into more of your paranormal experiences that you experienced throughout, I think you said it was the Air Force. Uh, at, at your 26th birthday party, you say you had a visit from Jesus Christ, which is interesting, fascinating. I want to hear about that. And we're also going to get into the satanic ritual abuse side of things that you were involved in with deliverance and things like that. I'm fascinated by that stuff. And I want to hear about how somebody on the inside goes about these kind of things. So, uh, Brian, thanks for being here. And uh, if you're a member, go to the overtime segment right now because it is available there for you to hit play and listen to. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. And Brian, thanks for being here with us, man. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. That's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. And just a reminder, if you're a member, go over to the overtime section right now because there is a whole other side of this conversation where Brian goes into even more stories about the reptilians and it's locked and loaded, ready to go. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Sans? Wake up! Well, what is it, dude? A human has fallen from the surface world! Really? And you got a bone to pick with him? No time for puns! Come on, that was a real rib tickler! Hey! Uh, enough! All right, here we go again. Welcome to the underground! How was the fall? If you wanna look around!
Boris is a pun. Nope. You imbecile. That was very clever. Thanks, buddy. You're stuck in the underground. Thanks to the fall. Good luck ever getting out. Prepare to brawl. You could show mercy to us. Or turn all of us to dust. Is your heart full of Closet, it's the real monster. Now you should know. 